Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grothuis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app. Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we're going to be talking about whether or not Israel is still God's chosen people. Um, with everything kind of going on in the news right now and everything, we didn't really want to get into uh, the political side of things so much, but we do want to talk about, you know, where does Israel stand with God today um, as his chosen people? Are they still his chosen people or is it a much bigger thing now? Um, there's a lot of nuance here as usual, but we want to get into that right after a word from our sponsors. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Okay, so um, this is kind of a big time in the world. Huge. Um, and it's it's kind of amazing, like, I don't know, it feels like there's always stuff going on in the Middle East. Like, yeah. let's just get yeah, that out fair. of the way. That's fair. Uh, given that Israel's kind of near East, you know, however you want to, you know, put all that. But point being... This one is hitting closer to home for a lot of folks. And so there's a lot of uh, emotions attached to this. There's a lot of thoughts being tossed around. There's a lot of division being drawn. Um, So the question is, like, as Christians, how should we be thinking about this situation right now? And and for me... What kind of precipitated this is hearing a lot of people saying, well, you know Israel is God's people and God has promised to protect them. God has promised to bless them and uh, on and on and on. And really, that's what we're talking about. Right. Is Israel still God's people? Is God obligated to act on their behalf right. in a way that he would not for other nations? Or uh, 
what is there behind that? And we're going to try to look at what the Bible says about all of that. And spoiler alert, as usual with this podcast, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of I don't knows. There's like, we're going to take a stab at this thing. We're going to try and give the fairest view we can and and to be as uh, clear as we can and as complementary to each of these views as we can. Um, but we're really just going to try and address it from the scriptures. Yeah. Um, so basically, there's two schools of thought on this. Well, two major schools of thought. There's uh, supersessionism, which is the idea that Christianity has superseded okay. Israel. Okay. That okay. we are now Israel, that the Christians wow. as a whole are Israel. I learned a new word. It's a very fancy churchy word. It is. I know. It's very good. <laughs> um, and then there's the non-supersessionist view. I bet that is the opposite. <laughs> I, I I'm I don't even know that that's an actual view. I think it's just like the anti supersessionist view. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So point being, uh, that Israel is still God's people, and that that He has a special relationship with Israel that He does not have with everybody else. And then there's kind of, in my opinion, sort of this like in the middle view, where it's like, well, yes, the church has superseded Israel in a way. Be, well, I don't even want to say that, that the church has gotten a whole lot bigger, that Israel got a whole lot bigger, right? Okay, yeah. Um, yet Israel itself, like the actual location, the actual place, in a way maybe still does have a special relationship okay. with God that, okay. as his like chosen people, right? So there, there's a few ways of kind of looking at this. I say we get into the text yeah. And we really just yeah, start yeah. trying to parse this I, thing out. I think that's where we got to do. A lot of it starts with Genesis chapter 12, where uh, God calls Abraham to leave home and go to Palestine. He says, I'll give you a new land. And uh, here it is, Genesis 12, 1, 2, I think it's about 3 is the pertinent part. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I'll show you and I'll make you into a great nation. Okay, I'll bless you and I'll make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. And here's one of the big things that I've heard. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So this idea of God blessing the ones who bless Israel and cursing the ones who curse Israel. Uh, I've heard that several times over the past couple of weeks. Hmm. Um, And I've heard it from some people who have looked historically, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, Balaam and and Balak and uh, uh, those kind of things from Scripture. They were actually looking at this nation uh, decided to... Do away with Israel, Nazi Germany. Look where it got them. On the other hand, a lot of Jews ended up going to the Netherlands. Look at the advancement of the Netherlands post-World War II. Just from out of nowhere, it has grown. God will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Look, look at dude, the land of Israel. It makes sense. Look at the land, uh, the current land of Israel yeah. as it currently exists. Compare that to where it was before 
the 1940s when Israel was reestablished as an as a nation. Right. Before they re-inhabited that land. Right. It was desert. It was uninhabitable. You couldn't grow anything. Israel moves back in, and they've got crops. And they've they're got basically like, terraforming the. It's the booming. Nation. Yeah. It's doing great, right? And it's like there is something to say for just the historical evidence of God's yeah. hand on Israel, yeah. Yeah. right? Like in, within our lifetimes, oh, or, yeah. or within yeah. our parents' lifetimes, or whatever. But like, it, it it's definitely there. Yeah. So yeah. It is. It is. Okay. So. Where where were you headed after that? I'm curious. After Abraham. After that, I was going to look to you and say, Zach, where are you headed? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I just I just don't want to jump too far ahead. No, no, no. But, that that you know that's the that's the the start of everything. And um, there are those who would say that uh, um, that is still valid today. God is still. Blessing the ones who bless Israel and cursing the ones who curse Israel. Now, part of the problem is that Israel today is not a religious nation at all. In fact, there are... uh, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but there are more atheists per capita in Israel... I think then certainly more than are in America. Um, yeah, well, it, yeah, yeah. Because the the weird thing about Judaism is it's a culture and it's a religion. It is. It is, and it gets treated individually as such. And sometimes people lump those two things together, and you right. really can't. Right. Well, but they do though. Like, I mean, you can. It, it's not to your benefit. Right, yeah. yeah. Right? It like, confuses the issue. I, I agree. Um, God never intended it to be that way, of course. God intended it to be a religious way of life. Like, he intended it to be a theocracy. In fact, we did a podcast right. where we talked about this, that up until Israel asked for a king, which would be around 1000 B.C., um, God was the king of Israel. Right. So, I mean, so let's just go ahead and address that. Let's say that, uh, and maybe we'll come back around to this, but like you're saying, Israel today, highly atheistic nation. Not a very religious nation at all. Sure, sure. Like like we just said, it gets muddy because the culture and the religion are so kind of muddled up. But, yeah, as far as like belief in God, living out that faith in God, not a ton of that. You know, right. I'm, there, there right. is it is happening, and there's a lot. There are Christians even in Israel, right? But like, as as far as a whole, yeah, it's not great. Um, so with that said, Israel today definitely not as a nation relying on God. No. Okay. Let's go all the way back though, because I think. Well, yeah. I want to lay down some groundwork yeah, for why yeah. for for some things that I think matter here. Part of of I think what uh, what people are saying is that God made a covenant with Israel, and uh, that is true. That is true. But in the terms of the covenant, there is what God agrees to do and what Israel agrees to do. Can we go further back than that? Even okay, we got to hyzer this thing up. Okay, because <laughs> I think it matters. 
Yeah, 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 it does here. Okay. It does. So sure. God makes Adam and Eve. Right. God gives them the commission, go subdue the earth. Okay. Go be my image bearers. So basically spread the image of God everywhere they go. That's the idea. They don't do it. Right. They instead eat from the tree of the fruit or eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. They try to make gods out of themselves essentially. Um this brings sin into the world. That sin proliferates over the next few chapters of the book of Genesis, which is like thousands of years, hundreds of years, oh, whatever. Thousands, thousands, okay. Yeah. So we get to Babel. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us. Babel is after God's already flooded the earth because it got so bad, right? right? Okay, we get to Babel. Well, we see, okay, God's original commandment was go sub- subdue the earth, go spread Go spread my my name, right? right? Go right, right. go be my image bearers. Go be fruitful and multiply, right? But that's not what happens in in Babel. They they buckle down, they double down, they centralize. Right. They pick one spot. All of humanity comes together and says, "We're going to make a great name for ourselves." And they literally say, "So that we will not be spread out over all the earth." Exactly. They, they, they say, "So that we will not obey." Right, they're in they're in this direct disobedience to what God right. wanted, right? right? And it's all for them. It's all centralized on them. Right, right. Okay, so God confuses their language, He destroys their tower, right. and He scatters them. We jump to Deuteronomy thirty-two, I believe it is, mm-hmm. and it says God divided when God scattered the nations, He divided those nations according to the number of the sons of God. Okay, we've done this a lot. We've talked about this. I don't want to go into it too deep here. Sons of God is the divine sons of God. These are the angelic beings. These are what some may call the gods. If this is new to you, you can look back at the podcast on the Divine Council. Uh, Where else did we talk about this? Uh, So many times. It comes up a lot because I think it's important. It's a central storyline in the Bible. Um, and if you want to go deeper, just go read Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm, and boom, you're caught up. Bingo. Um, but he divides these nations according to the number of sons of God. Um, the reason we know that that is them is because in Psalm 82, we find out God is standing in the, it says in the divine council, or Literally. God is standing among the gods is what right. it says, right? And he says, hey, why are you ruling so terribly? Why are you... Allowing you're being all, unjust. You're being unjust. You're, yeah. you're punishing the the righteous when you should be punishing the wicked. Right. And, and he says, and for this, you're going to die like men. Mortals. Yeah. Oh, interesting, yeah. right? Well, men already die like men, so you can't be talking to men. Right. Okay, so point being, this is where you get the gods of all other nations. Okay, this is where God, basically Deuteronomy 32 is saying, Babel didn't want God. And at Babel, God said, well, fine, if the world doesn't want me, then they don't have to have me. But they're going to have some form of governance. So he divided the world among the number of his divine council, and he allowed them to rule over them. But that divine council fell, at least much of it did. And 
they became unjust rulers, and this is where you get the idea of all the gods of the other nations, okay? But directly after Babel in Genesis, God turns around and he goes to Abraham. It's the very next chapter. It's the very next chapter, and it's no coincidence that God then goes to Abraham and says, you are my portion, you're mine, I will be your God, you will be my people. And this is where the whole Israel account starts. And I find it very interesting, though, that in that, God's promise to Abraham is that he is going to be the father of many nations. Or the blessing of many nations. Is the that father, how it says? Is it the father? Yeah, yep, yep. Okay. So point being, when you get all the way to the New Testament and you see the Pharisees walking around, and Jesus is saying, you're sons of Satan. Well, that's that's a response to a group of people that would have commonly been referring to themselves as sons of Abraham. Right. This was a Jewish rite, right? But Jesus is saying, no, you aren't in line with my father. So even though you, by inheritance, are technically a Jew... Genetically, you're you a Jew. You are genetically a Jew, you're not religiously you're not. <laughs> right. And Jesus is drawing a distinction in those two things. Yeah. And so when we get all the way to the cross, and sorry, I just want to kind of lay out this whole picture here just briefly, that when we get to the cross, that Jesus then dies on the cross, resurrects, and then we have Pentecost afterwards, where all of the new Christians from all these different countries are in Jerusalem. They're all together, and they're speaking in different languages but the Holy Spirit rests on each one of them. And they can hear each other, even though they're speaking different languages and they can understand each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is taking the curse of Babel, the scattering and the confusion of the languages, and now they are... Reversing it. It's reversed. They're, They're brought back as one under Christ, and now they understand each other. They're not confused anymore. So what you see there is what happened on that cross... And that death and that resurrection of Jesus is Jesus reclaimed all the nations to himself as his own. So before, through all of the Old Testament almost, Israel is God's only nation that he claims as his own, the one that he has chosen as his. He calls them my people. They are my people. You are my portion. Right. Right. But after Jesus, that's every nation. Every nation is his again. So any believer in any nation sort of becomes Israel. And that is this, maybe this, the heart of the supersessionist argument. Okay. Is that now that all nations are reclaimed by Christ, all of them are his. I don't know that they would say it that way, but uh, yeah. But Okay, yeah. okay. Whether or not they're going to go down the, like, the divine right. yeah, yeah, yeah. council rabbit hole, whatever. Point being, through Christ, the Gentiles are accepted the in. The Gentiles are now accepted. I'm they giving you the backstory of, of why that yeah. makes sense, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. I don't know that the supersessionists would even talk about. Right. But point being, there's a reason why that's a thought. You mentioned that Jesus said that uh, the the Pharisees were not... God's people. You actually get that in the prophets of the Old Testament as well. Uh, You get Hosea, who has, uh, he goes and he marries a prostitute because Israel was prostituting uh, with her husband, Jehovah. So uh, Jehovah, God, says, Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. She has uh, uh, 
two kids in the first chapter, and Hosea says, name those children Lo-Ruhama and Lo-Ami. I don't love you, and you are not my people. So already, even in the Old Testament, you have prophets saying you are not God's people. You have the prophet from the very from day one, Jeroboam breaks with uh, uh, Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son ruling over Judah. Jeroboam takes ten tribes and forms a new nation. And so they wouldn't go to Jerusalem to the temple. He makes another temple in Sychar and uh, puts an altar there. The prophet goes and says, this is not God's temple. You're not God's people. Uh, So you get this all the way through the Old Testament. There are a lot of places. uh, I started talking about the covenant. One of the things that God does with his people is he makes a covenant with them. The covenant has what God will do for them and then what they are to do for God. God consistently did for them what he promised. They consistently broke that covenant. What was the last covenant before Jesus? Oh, it would have it it would have been this covenant. Uh, it, it would have been the covenant for Israel. Would that be Davidic or Abrahamic? Well, the Davidic covenant is just with David's it's family. It's just David. But the Abrahamic covenant is the covenant over all Israel. Well, the reason I ask that is because the Abrahamic covenant, though, if Abraham is supposed to be the father of many nations, then is it really just a covenant with Israel, or is it with a covenant of all of Abraham's children, which would be the children of many nations? And as we're going to see in the New Testament, uh, Paul makes the argument that it's those who have faith because Abraham Abraham's is the children. father of all who Because have faith. he's the father of faith. Yes. Uh, 2 Kings 18.12. They refused to listen to the Lord their God and obey him. Instead, they violated his covenant, all the laws that Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded them to obey. They violated the covenant. And so you get uh, things like, like Hosea saying, you are not my people. Again, in the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse uh, 7. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Uh, Zechariah, uh, Hosea's around the 8th century, Zechariah's about 400 years before Christ. Zechariah has uh, this one prophecy where uh, he sees himself as uh, a shepherd and he makes two staffs for himself. One is called Union and the other is called, uh, let's see, I've got Union here. Um... Boy, it's not jumping out at me. It's Hosea, Zechariah, excuse me, 11. uh, Oh, verses 10 and 11. Yeah, I'm back. I took my staff called favor 
One staff was called favor, one was called union. He took my staff called favor and I cut it in two showing that I had revoked the covenant that I made with all the nations. That was the end of my covenant with them. The suffering flock was watching me. They knew that the Lord was speaking through my actions. That is God saying I revoked my covenant. The covenant with all the nations, is that referring to what he said to Abraham? Uh, Probably so. That's the only covenant that we really have uh, registry of. But it's it's not only here, Jeremiah 11.10, Jeremiah 31.32, Ezekiel 17.19, Ezekiel 44.7. All of these passages talk about God uh, saying that Israel has broken the covenant and he is revoking that covenant. So let me let me play a little bit of devil's advocate because that's what makes these things fun. It's a terrible way of phrasing it on a Christian podcast, but that's what I'm going to do. So um, I hear you, and I think that's probably what that means. But I want to be careful to use that as like a blanket statement for where we stand now because I think there's some other evidence that makes this a little grayer than that. And we'll have to come back to that, especially when we get into Paul. Okay, so yeah. hear me out. So when we get to like uh, when we get to Leviticus 26, and this is God giving, like He's laying out His rewards for obedience and His right. punishments for disobedience. Right. Yeah. And He says, you know, if you obey My laws, if you remain in Me. Right? right, then here's all the ways I'm going to bless you. And he just goes through and he's saying like, you know, you're never going to want for food. You're going to be protected. You're going to be like, he's just laying out all the stuff. Right. But then in the second half of this chapter, it turns to, but if you will not listen to me and carry out these commandments, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out my commands and violate my covenant, then it becomes, I'll bring sudden terror wasting diseases, a fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. And then it turns into this like, oh, and if that doesn't do it for you, then it's going to go to this. Oh, and then if it does, if that still doesn't make you see things right, well, then I'm going to do this. And it's like, it just keeps getting worse and yeah. worse. And he's opening the floodgates. The enemies are going to come in and they're going to drag you off. They're going to take you out of your land. And he's just going down, going down the list. But then at the very end, he gets to, but if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility towards me, which made me hostile towards them so that I sent them into the land of their enemies, then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land, for the land will be deserted by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They will pay for their sins because they rejected my laws and abhorred my decrees. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them ap uh, completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God, but for their sake I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord." These are the decrees, the laws, and the regulations that the Lord established at Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. 
take that concept yeah. of he he removes himself from the equation when his people turn away from him and he lets their sin take them essentially right, right. it's like he removes his protection right. he removes his blessings right right but if at any time people will return to him they will turn back to him then he will save them Is rabbit. that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rabbit trail, fair? rabbit trail. Okay. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently, and it said the majority of the curses in the Bible are not actually God working against people. The majority of the curses is God saying, you don't want me, okay, I will withdraw from you and let happen what happens when I'm not in the picture. Right. Chaos takes over. Right. Uh, that would really make a lot of sense with what you just said. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because we then have conversations. So Jesus comes into the picture to save all of mankind, right? Right. But who does he come for first? Comes the Jewish nation. He comes for Israel first. And the reason we know that is because he says it. When he is talking to, is it the Sumerian woman? Uh, no, it's Samaritan? the Syro, Syrophoenician woman. I came to the uh, sheep of Israel, or I came to the house of Israel. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So he makes, he makes his point that he came first for Israel. Yeah. Right? That that's who he's there to talk to. Now, through his death and resurrection on the cross... He invites in all the Gentile nations, but mm-hmm. his first efforts are to the Jews, which tells me that even if God has said, I've broken my covenant with you because yeah. I've withdrawn it because you've turned from me or whatever, he still hasn't given up on them. Yeah. He yeah. still hasn't given up on his, on him pursuing his people that they will turn to him. And they are still his, his portion. He still he loves still them. looking for them. Right. So even in the face of all this, like, yeah, it's all the nations now, it still really makes me wonder if there isn't some level of God made a promise and he keeps his promises. Well, and Paul even said the very same thing. Uh, Romans 1, 16, 17, he says, I'm not not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, It's the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew first. And then to the Gentiles. And then to the Gentiles. And I think he's talking chronologically there. Jesus came to the Jewish nation. Yeah. And while he didn't refuse Gentiles who came to him, he didn't search them out either. No, that was what Paul did. Paul does. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. That God comes to the Jews. Yeah. So if it, it it's like at that point, like if we're using the argument of, okay, so God revokes his covenant. And he, I mean, at this point, this is post-Ezekiel, even, when the Spirit of God has left the temple. Right. Right? God is oh, withdrawn. Yeah, God is withdrawn, right? But at the same time, even after all that, he still comes to the Jews first because he loves them and he wants to save them. Yeah. So there is something about that relationship between God and Israel. Um, do you want to maybe get into... 
did you read that passage? I'm sorry, I was I was over here pulling up a couple passages. Did you read the passage about um, how not all those born into Israel? Not yet, and I think we'll get to that, but I want to do something okay. else first. Okay. Because even in the Old Testament, especially when you get around Jeremiah and Ezekiel, both of those prophets prophesy that God says, I will make a new covenant. Mm. So you get Jeremiah chapter 31, starting in verse 31. The day's coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant won't be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I'll make with the people of Israel on that day. I'll put my instructions deep within them. I'll write them on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. They won't need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. I will forgive their wickedness. I'll never again remember their sin. So Jeremiah prophesies this new covenant that's coming Ezekiel, Jeremiah by this time, is in Egypt with uh, the leftovers of Israel that have fled from Babylon. Well, Ezekiel, about a thousand miles away, is in Babylon. And he is prophesying, and he says this, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27, uh, 26 and 27. I'll give you a new heart. Eh, Let me start at 25. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You'll no longer worship idols. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So uh, together with Hank Williams, Ezekiel is saying, I'll take away that cold, cold heart. (laughs) Um, Ezekiel and Jeremiah are talking about the same reality. And we carry that same reality with us to church every Sunday because the Bible that we have is divided into an old covenant and a new covenant covenant. Right. That's the meaning of the word testament. Right. The Old Testament is God's covenant with Abraham. The New Testament is God's covenant with the new Abraham, or maybe Abraham newly understood in a little bit different fashion. Um, yeah, yes, I do think part of the new covenant, though, is... Is that is that it is opened up to a wider audience as well? Absolutely, it is. I think that's a big part of the new covenant. Yeah. Because I mean, when we really boil down to how are you saved in the Old Testament versus how are you saved in the New Testament, it's faith in God. Right. It always was. It always was. So that condition really never changed. Right. The way it plays out, the way we live it, does, and, and the way uh, Israelites of the first century and even today. Uh, what they understand and what the Old Testament says sometimes are different things. 
Right. They understand it to be an issue of genetics. It's not. Or an issue of sacrifices. Or an issue of animal sacrifices. Or particular rituals. Right. And it's none of those things. Right. It has always been about two things. God's chesed, his faithful loving kindness towards Israel. Mm -hmm. And Israel's faith. Yeah. Israel's faith slash faithfulness to following God. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one way that changes majorly, though, through the New Covenant, is God has actually revealed himself through a person. Yes. Right? And Jesus himself, who is God, declares that he is the way and that there is no way to the Father except through him. And through Jesus, actually, parts of the Old Testament are indeed revoked. There's no more animal sacrifices. The book of Hebrews says, just point blank, we no longer sacrifice idols because Jesus was the sacrifice once for all. Right. So that plays heavily into this as well, right? Because, like, uh, one of the major arguments I've heard people making is, like, well, the Jews know God. And my argument is, but they don't know Jesus, and Jesus is the full revelation of God. And Jesus says, if you don't know me, you don't know God. That's right. He says, I'm the way. There is no way to the Father except through me. And so if they can't, if there's no way to the Father except through Jesus, then that means that no Jew today goes to the Father. Which means that even if he, even if in some special way there is like a relationship there, a covenant there that is still being kept between God and Israel. And and look, I'm not willing to say there's not, okay? Because like there's right. no specific yeah, yeah, point yeah. where it's just dead clear that it's like, oh, that's just completely gone. Like right. I understand yeah. that you, yeah. you brought yeah. that yeah. passage right. up, but yeah, even yeah, yeah. then God's still coming after Israel, right? Uh, so it's like does. there is still a favor on them for some in some way, whatever. Point being, um, if you don't know Jesus, you aren't saved. And so when we look at Israel, we don't need to look at them as like this godly group of people because they aren't. Yeah. They don't know Jesus as a whole. Some do. Some do, and that's great. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. And Jesus, that's Jesus' words, not ours, right? So, like, we have to keep that in mind. And I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is because so much of what I hear people bring up about Israel is, like, we just kind of support them no matter what because, oh, that's God's people. And I think that's a mentality here in, in Western civilization, at least, or in America. I, I've heard that. I've heard it. Where it's like, oh, that's God's people. We're just always with them. We just always stand with them. We always side with them. But it's like, but what about when they're not doing the right thing? What about when they're doing something terrible? Do we still – and I'm listen, I'm not saying that's what's happening right now. I'm just saying I don't think they get this like blanket statement like you're always the good guy. We should always side with you just because you're Israel. Right. I don't think that that is the biblical case these days. I think we side with the people who are doing the will of God. Um, Now, in this scenario, this Hamas-Israel situation, you've got 
Israel being attacked by a terrorist organization. Yes. Our hearts should go out to Israel. Yeah. yeah. Because they're being targeted violently. Yeah. And that is wrong. They were the victims. Right. And so this shouldn't be like this whole sympathy for her Hamas thing that's happening in our states right now. It's gross. It's gross and it's wrong. And that is different from sympathy for the Palestinians. That's right. Hamas That's exactly is right. not exactly. the Palestinian. There are probably more Christians in Palestine than there are in Israel. Probably. And with that, we should be caring about our Christian brothers and sisters no matter what country they're in. That doesn't mean our loyalties lie with indivi- like particular nations just because they are said nation. If a nation is doing evil, we shouldn't side with them. If a nation is doing the will of God, we should side with them. We should side with all Christians everywhere, no matter where that is. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. Uh, I, 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 this is my personal opinion of what's going on right now. I believe Hamas attacked Israel in the way that they did because they knew how Israel has responded in recent history and they were fairly well assured that they would continue to respond that way. And indeed, Israel did respond that way. They knew Israel would enter into a ground war in uh, Gaza. And that's what they wanted. Hamas didn't care about the Israelis that they kid- killed. They didn't care about the Palestinians right. that they knew would be collateral damage from what Israel would do. So the bad guy here is Hamas. It's not the Palestinians. Right. And 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 on the flip side, if Israel was using terror tactics on innocent individuals on the other side, then they would be wrong for doing that. Absolutely. So this has zero to do with like, oh, this is this is just because it's a Palestinian organization or just because this is an Israeli organization. No, it's a terror group. Yeah. And terror groups are bad. You should not kill people, and you shouldn't. You should definitely not kill innocent people, right? right? right and that's right. what this boils down to. So, yeah, one hundred percent. Our hearts, as a country, as Christians, should be going out to Israel right now, yeah. and we should not be cool with Hamas because it's bad news. Okay, it's bad. It's bad what's happening with that organization. All right, but at the same time, we have to be really careful on the reasoning why we give our support or why we give our condemnation. And our support for Israel should not simply be because they're Israel. Right, I think that's right, what this right, boils right, down right, to. Right. Is that a fair take on this? Like, I'm really trying to be careful. Well, it's one that I agree with, so I think it's fair, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I guess, but my point is from a biblical perspective even, like, God doesn't always side with Israel. Oh, God. <laughs> he sent them off to exile. Right, right. So, so if God for the majority of his relationship with Israel is going, why are you turned from me? Why are you doing evil? I'm going to hand you over to your sin. I'm going to let this fall apart. If that's God's disposition towards towards Israel through the Old Testament is his group of people, right? Why, Why should we just assume that they never do any wrong? Is my question. Right. Like, and that's an, I'm not trying to hate on Israel here. I'm just trying to give a very realistic overview of like Israeli people are people, right? And people right. screw up, right? And people get to decide whether or not they follow Jesus. Yeah. And you're not saved if you don't follow Jesus. So we should be praying for their salvation, and we should be praying 
uh, for their healing during this hard time. We should be praying that these Hamas attacks stop. We should be praying for peace. We should. Absolutely. And likewise, while we're praying for people in Israel to come to know the Lord, we should be praying for these members of Hamas even to turn from their wicked ways and to come to know Christ. I've been reading stories of guys that have come out of Hamas to Christ. Have you seen some of these stories? No, I haven't. haven't. They're cool. They're very cool. Not recently, but like over the last couple of years, guys have come out of Hamas and, and are followers of Christ now. So you've got stuff like that happening. We should be praying for Palestinians to be coming to Christ. Like the point is Jesus is the whole point of all of this. If we remove Jesus from the equation and just go, ah, we just like these guys because they're who they are. Like, right. We're missing the point. It's all about Jesus. Now, Paul kind of makes that point uh, in the book of Romans 9 to 11. He talks specifically about where Israel fits in the whole thing. And it's a crucial argument for Paul because Paul is saying we now have a new covenant. So part of what Paul is trying to address is, well, if God violated the old covenant, can he do it again? Will he do it again with this new covenant? So he wants to address the the issue of the old covenant. He does it in chapters 9 to 11 in the book of Romans. And he starts off saying, boy, is this ever pertinent. My heart is filled with sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Paul said of himself, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They're the people of God, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them, gave them his law, gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he's God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Well, then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No. And here's the point. Not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them Abraham's children. It's not genetics. It's those who have faith. It's faith. And Paul comes back in these chapters, and he talks about the need for faith. He talks about the church. He calls the church a branch that is grafted into Israel, while some of the branches were actually cut off. So is this, it, can I go down this rabbit hole then? Uh, going off of Probably. that. Going off of that. Um like, is it Elijah against the prophets of Baal? Yep. So God tells Elijah, hey, there's this many faithful still in the nation of Israel. 7,000, yeah. Paul even mentions that here in this passage. When we get to Leviticus 26, and he's talking about, but if they confess their sins and all that, he said, he at one point says, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. Pair right. that with the fact that there are people today in Israel and have always been people of of Israeli descendancy who have known and loved Christ. 
Oh yeah, even, right? Like sins Christ. Oh yeah. So so my point is take that concept. Oh hey, one second, gotta go. I have to get cookies. Um, <laughs> two seconds, I promise. One second. I'm so sorry about that. Oh, we'll cut that all out. No, what? Well, yeah, we'll cut out the in between. But I I'm totally cool leaving in all the cookie talk on why I had to leave. I it's for tonight's group. It's for our class. I promised them I'd bring cookies. I'm trying to take care of my folks, you know? There you go. There so, you go. okay, regardless. Um, okay, jumping back to where we were. I remember. The point is, God, even when his whole, it seems like his whole group of people have like turned away from him or whatever, or the nation of Israel has turned away from him, his intent is still on on holding his covenant with those who are faithful to him. Yes. Yes. So even yes. in the midst of if if everybody in Israel except for one person turned away, then God would still be for that one person in Israel. And he says that that will never come att- he says where is it? Uh I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely breaking my covenant with them. So like I don't know that there's ever been a time when God has completely abhorred or destroyed Israel, right? Like, yeah. they're always around. Yeah. And within that, there are always going to be some group of people who are staying true to God, and in our case, of what that means to stay true to God today is being a follower of Jesus Christ. Right, right. Paul himself, even in this in this passage, 9 to 11, he's... Uh, I don't know, he's, he's kind of schizophrenic about the whole thing. Part of him says uh, the church is the new Israel, but he can't just say that blanket. Mm-hmm. So he comes to the very end of that passage, chapter 11, verse um, 25. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, This will only last until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. So all Israel will be saved, as the scriptures say. The one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. He'll turn Israel away from ungodliness. This is my covenant with them. I'll take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. Mm. Now this is Paul. Mm -hmm. He was being pursued by Jews who were trying he was to one of kill the, him. He was one of the he pursuers one at one point them. in his life. And now they're trying to kill him so that he won't spread the good news. He says, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they're still the people that he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against them, God was merciful to you instead. Now they're the rebels. God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. Paul seems to be saying, I'm not sure where I end up on this. (laughs) Yes, the church is the new Israel. But no, God's not done with Israel yet. He still loves the nation of Israel. Yeah. Even Paul seems to be speaking almost out of both sides of his mouth there. Or at least 
he's not sure exactly how to explain what he really feels. It's a very complicated issue. It is. And there's a lot of information to support kind of each side of this thing. And there's a lot of nuance. <laughs> I, hey, dude, if there's one thing I've learned about God is when when you're talking about a, a finite little squishy flesh brain like mine trying to comprehend infinite concepts, the things of God, sometimes you got to make room for some nuance. You know what I mean? Like, wait, you mean I can't just be like... 100% die on every hill ever? You know, like, no, you can't. Not everyone. Yeah. Some. Some, for sure. <laughs> but but there's a whole lot that you can't, and that's okay. The point is we have to do the best we can with this knowledge that we yeah. have, with this yeah. information yeah. that we have. And if you if you were to sum this up, where would you go? I mean, I already kind of gave my stab at it. If I were to sum it up, I would say this. Um I don't think you can just blanket say that God is obligated to act on behalf of Israel because of his covenant with them. Because Israel broke that covenant. So God is free to do whatever he wants. But somehow is in his infinite love, he still loves Israel. And he is still trying to reach them and win them back. Now, He's not going to do that through animal sacrifices. He's not going to do that through celebrating seven festivals during the year. He's going to do that the same way that he wins all of us to himself. Through a combination of his mercy and grace and our faith and faithfulness, Yeah, we end up following him. Israel has that same opportunity. Yeah. We need to be praying and acting in a way that will give them that opportunity. And I don't, I think we have to be really clear too, like it's easy to get sucked up in the politics of it all and to turn Hamas and Palestinians into the other. Yeah. Even terrorists are people. And I know that's insane to say. The amazing thing is Christ even died for them. He died for the people nailing nailing him to the cross. Like That's he true. he was praying for them. He was praying on their behalf as they were nailing him to the cross. To if their Jesus face. can do that to their face, right? If Jesus can do that for the people that are causing great harm to him, then he surely expects us to pray for enemies of every type, right? And so my point is, yes, Hamas, they're the bad guys. But we're all bad guys, and yeah. we all need the grace of God. And they are – I'm not softening. I'm not softening the atrocities of these oh, terror organizations. Horrible. Horrible. Horrible things. But God can forgive horrible people. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray for Palestine. We need to pray for Israel. We need to be praying for everybody, yeah. that they would come to know the goodness of God through Jesus Christ – through his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, and his free gift of grace and mercy and salvation to everyone who calls him Lord, everyone that believes in him, everyone that comes to him and puts their faith in him, right? That's what we should be praying for. Yeah. So don't get swept up in the politics of this where you stop seeing certain groups of people as people. These are all people, and they need Jesus. Fair? Very much. Okay. I don't want to 
sound like a crazy person there. That just that's why I keep saying fair. <laughs> because sometimes I know I can sound like a crazy person. Uh, now you sound like an insecure <sighs> crazy person. <laughs> that's okay. I'm okay with that. That's okay. I trust your opinion. That's why I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just look at anybody that? and be like, how's oh, that sound? Zach. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Hey, well, you got anything else to no, say? No, I don't. Not, right. not on this topic. Um Thanks for hanging with us and letting us struggle through this complex topic, y'all. Uh, if you like what you heard, go check us out at uh, SaltySaintsPodcast.com. Um, thank you so much for all the, the emails and stuff we've been getting. Hey, by the way, the people that have emailed me, I ha- like, I've given some decent replies via email, but I haven't ever heard back from any of you. So I don't know if my stuff isn't sending or if – what I said was just good enough, or if you hate me now, I don't know, but whatever it is, um, let me know if you're actually getting those messages, please, so I know if everything's right on our end for the people that send us messages. That would be super helpful. Um, what else? Go to lifeaudio.com. Go check them out. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, they got lots of podcasts over there. They are our partners in crime. Uh, they got lots and lots of stuff on uh, how to read the Bible, how to raise a Christian family, um, stuff on everything Christian living and theology stuff. And it's where we're located. So you can go find us over there as well. But go check out Life Audio. And until next time, stay salty. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.